and welcome to the Little Ferraro Kitchen Food Show. I am Samantha with the Little Ferraro Kitchen. I'm a food blogger, a cookbook author, and a cooking instructor. On this show, we'll be talking all about weeknight cooking, recipes, fun ingredients. Basically, if you love cooking and love talking about food, this is the place to be. Welcome back to the Little Ferraro Kitchen Cooking Show. I am Samantha Ferraro, your host. And if you love cooking and you love talking about recipes as much as I do, you are in the right place. So don't go anywhere because we are in full holiday mode. As I am recording this, we are T minus four days (laughs) before Thanksgiving and we are cooking up a storm. We're planning our menu. We're already talking about our Hanukkah and Christmas menus. (laughs) So I am not joking when I say we are full on holiday cooking in this house. And speaking of Thanksgiving, I always like to share what we've been cooking recently or kind of what we are excited to cook for. And it's going to be a small Thanksgiving and then we're going to have a little Friendsgiving a week after. But for something different for Thanksgiving, my husband Joe and I are going to try a rolled turkey breast, which I'm really excited about because we haven't done that yet. So what we're planning to do is we have a boneless skin on turkey breast. And I'm thinking about rolling it with some really fun flavors, maybe some spinach, maybe some prosciutto, a little breadcrumbs, some fresh herbs, and just roast it until the skin gets nice and crispy. And I think it's going to be a good one. So I'll, I'll let you know how that comes out in the next episode, but I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, actually, if you are doing a smaller Thanksgiving, I love doing a small spatchcock or split turkey. I've talked about this in the previous episode. And I am telling you, if you want a good crispy skin and cooks in half the time, go for a split, go for a spatchcock. It's when the turkey is really, it's flat, the backbone is removed. And I mean, everything just cooks so much quicker. So think about that for your Thanksgiving dinner. Let me know how that goes. I know it will be absolutely delicious. Now on to this week's episode topic. So I was kind of thinking of different uh, ideas and, and what we're really excited for to cook in the next few holidays. And one of my favorite things to do when I have friends over, a bigger party or smaller party, is making cheese boards. They are always a crowd pleaser. They're always aesthetically pleasing. They're super trendy right now and they're delicious. So on this episode, we are talking all about cheese boards. We're going to break it down and make it not so intimidating when you walk into the cheese section of your grocery store, you see all these cheeses and you're like, where do I start? I will help you. We'll break it down and you can make the most delicious and beautiful cheese board for your holiday get together. Whenever I think of making a cheese board or even a charcuterie board is also what it's called. But here's a fun fact. Charcuterie means meat in French. So if you are planning on having meat items on your board, you can certainly call it a charcuterie board. But technically, if there's no meat on it, it's just a cheese board. So you can use them interchangeably if you do have meat on there. But just a little fun fact. So when I think of making a cheese board, there's a few things I think of. I think of having variety. So I think of having variety in color. I think of having variety in texture and variety in flavor. And if you're not too familiar with cheese, it can be a little overwhelming. You know, I've only known cheese for about two years. I Before that, you know, I know food, 
But cheese is a whole other ball game. There's all these different varieties and flavors and ages and different areas that it comes from. And it wasn't until the last few years that I really started to learn more about it and try different cheeses and know what my palate likes. So I always like to say, whenever you want to start a cheese board, think of things that have variety in color and flavor and texture. And then also start with what you know. So if you know that you like cheddar, well, look at the cheddars and see what might be a little bit more appealing. Maybe an aged cheddar or an Irish cheddar. An English cheddar can be a little bit more funky. If you know you love breeze, which I do, a brie is so delicious. They're soft and decadent and almost have that fatty mouthfeel. Then start with, you know, different kinds of breeze and see what you like. If you like more of a softer, creamy cheese, such as a Gruyere or a soft Gouda, then get some of that, maybe different styles and slice it up and see what you like. So start with variety, start with what you know, and then expand that way. I always like to suggest starting with an odd number of cheeses. So if you are making a smaller board, you can start with three cheeses. If you're making a medium to large board, you can go from five to seven cheeses. That way it gives you some variety and structure. And odd numbers always look better when you're placing things aesthetically. So if I were to make a cheese board, or if I were to recommend a cheese, you know, what to start with for other people, I always start with my favorite cheese, which is a brie that we talked about. And a brie can be very mild and very decadent and very rich. And there are different, um, I guess, styles of brie where some are double cream. And then if you hear about a triple cream brie, that means they add more milk fat to it. So it just makes it really luxurious. And it gives you that really nice coating, that fatty coating in your mouth when you take a bite out of it. Sometimes I hear people say that, oh, I don't like brie because I don't like the rind. The rind can be a little overpowering. So some brie's are very mild where you can eat the whole cheese, you know, one bite and it's totally fine. If you don't like the rind, then cut it off. (laughs) Sometimes it can be a little stronger than the more mild ones. For instance, there's a breed called Camembert, and it comes in a round wheel, I would say about 8 to 10 ounces, maybe 16 ounces. And sometimes the rind can be really pungent, but the cheese in the middle, they call it the paste, is really uh, savory and really creamy and delicious. Another use for that cheese, if it's a little too pungent, is you can bake it and make a baked camembert or baked brie. And that is so easy because I will add some fig jam or any jam that I have in the house, strawberry, blueberry, whatever. And I pop it in the oven, 10 minutes, 400 degrees. And I am telling you, you have the easiest appetizer that has absolutely no effort. So next time you go to the store, look for different brie's. Look for a double cream brie, a triple cream brie. And if someone is working there that is knowledgeable, ask them, hey, what is a mild brie if you do like more mild? And if you think you can handle a little bit more punch, then ask them, hey, what's a little bit more of a funkier brie? And if you do like funkier, then try that camembert. You might like it. Now, because brie's are a soft ripened cheese and they're very decadent and soft and just really creamy, I always like to choose my second cheese, something totally opposite of a brie. 
Now, I love an aged cheddar or an aged Gouda, and those are completely opposite of a brie. It's this harder cheese. It crumbles. You can kind of just rip a piece off, and you have this like very rustic crumble, and you can just take a bite out of it. It could be very salty and, and nutty, not so much creamy, but a little crumbly. And there's also these little crystals. They're called tyrosine crystals. And a lot of people think that they are salt crystals, but they are actually protein crystals that develop as a cheese ages. And they just give this, actually, this really salty bite to it and almost like another texture when you bite into it. So look for an aged Gouda or an aged cheddar. Usually the label will say how old it is, so how long it ages for. I personally love a Gouda anywhere from 18 months to three years. I've had older aged Goudas, five years, and they are so rich because the older a Gouda ages, or even cheddar, it gets richer and more pungent and maybe even a, a little bit more saltier. And for me, my palate, the really, really aged five-year Gouda is a little too rich for me. <laughs> so I like it right in the middle. But there are so many different ages. I've seen them five years, three years, 18 months. And then the softer ones are the really young ones. But because we already have a soft brie, I definitely recommend trying an aged Gouda with those beautiful crystals in there. And then to serve that, I would just, you know, very rustically take a knife and just try to chop off very rustic pieces. That way they have these really fun edges and then people can just take little bites with those little crystals. So now we have a soft cheese. We have an aged harder cheese. Now the third cheese I like to recommend, I like to call it like a wild card. <laughs> so this is where you can have a little bit more fun and variety. And if you haven't tried something, maybe experiment with something new. But there are a few styles that I'd like to add to my third option. One is called an Alpine style. So that could be like a Swiss cheese, like uh, we are familiar with. Another cheese is called Gruyere, which which is really melty and just so delicious. They often put Gruyere on top of like a French onion soup. If you're familiar with that cheese, that's what Gruyere is. And there are other uh, styles that are very similar to that style. But basically, an Alpine style are those cheeses that melt very well, that you can take a knife and slice it. They're about semi-soft, where it's really easy to slice, and you take a bite of it, and they're a little savory and salty, but also melt very well. That is what Alpine style is. So I always recommend an Alpine style. And because they're easy to slice, I just take my knife and I slice uh, very thin slices of them, and they're very easy to serve. Now, my other wild card pick is a blue cheese. And I know some people can be a little indecisive about blue cheese, but just give it a shot. I personally love blue cheese. I'm also a little picky with what blue cheese I like. So personally, I prefer the softer blue cheeses, those really creamy ones that you can put on top of a salad or a steak would be really delicious or a, a burger. And the drier ones, usually like an English style, are just a little too dry for me. I, I much prefer that creamy. See, I think about brie cheese and that's why I love so much about it. So for a blue cheese, if you are like me and prefer a softer blue cheese, 
try something called a cambazola. A cambazola is a style of blue cheese which can be described as a cross between blue cheese and brie cheese, where it's super creamy but still has like those blue veins and those blue speckles like blue cheese. It's very mild, really creamy, and not overly pungent. Another cheese, if you kind of want to step it up a notch, like a little bit more in the flavor profile, is something called Saint Agour. That is pretty common in definitely specialty stores, and I would say most grocery stores, hopefully. And that blue cheese is also very soft, very creamy, but also has a little bit more flavor and a little bit more saltiness. So I would definitely recommend that on a cheese board or even on a burger or a steak would be absolutely delicious. Now, if you like a drier blue cheese, there is one called Stilton, which is an English blue cheese. And it's very dry. I would say it's definitely like mild to a little bit more pungent. It has great flavor, but texture-wise, it's not my preference. But if you prefer the drier end, look for something called Stilton. And if you are local to the Bellingham area, there's a local blue cheese called Wacom Blue, which is made from Twin Sisters Creamery. And their blue cheese is really delicious. It's definitely on the saltier, more flavor forward side. So if you are ready to kind of take it up a notch from the mild cheese, I highly recommend trying that cheese. So those are the cheeses that I would choose and recommend for a really basic starter, hey, I want to get into cheese, I don't know where to start, but I know I like this kind of starter pack. So try those three cheeses, try different styles, different ages, and see what you like. Now, another question I always get asked is, well, I don't eat cow's milk, I can do goat's milk, sometimes sheep's milk, what can you recommend? And the really cool thing is that there are so many cheeses that are made with sheep's milk and or goat's milk now because a lot of people find that they can digest the product better with sheep's milk and goat's milk. So a few ideas are a goat cheddar, which will be a lot more pungent because goat milk in general definitely has more pungency and more flavor than cow's milk. So just keep that in mind, might have more tang to it as well. And there's also some goat goudas that are really delicious. I have not seen any aged goat goudas. I've usually seen them pretty soft, but they are so delicious. They're mild, they're creamy, but they also have a little bit more maybe tang or acidity, acidity to them compared to the cow milk gouda. And then for that wild card, if you want to go towards a blue cheese, there's a soft blue cheese called Roquefort, which is from Italy, and it's made with sheep's milk. And that one is really delicious, too. I've tried it a few times, and I find it a little saltier than other blue cheeses. So just keep that in mind. You might want to pair that with something sweet to kind of counter that, that saltiness, but it's really tasty. And if you like goat cheese, a classic chev log, which is that really familiar log of goat cheese that's very soft, can go so many ways. I've seen other recipes where they drizzle it with some honey, or you can roll it in some chopped herbs or dried herbs or lemon zest, or maybe some garlic would be delicious. So that's a really versatile cheese too, because you can find goat logs at most grocery stores. I've even seen that at the corner <laughs> gas station grocery store. And then from there, you can just really have fun with it. You can roll it in all different things that are sweet and savory and in between. And it's always a crowd pleaser. 
Now that we have the cheese out of the way, I always like to think of some accoutrements. So it's all those little sides and additions that you add to your cheese board. Because whenever I'm building a cheese board, I always put the cheese first, and then I like to fill it in with anything I have. So this is where you can have fun with it, really. I like to just go through my cupboards and go through my bulk cupboards and just have fun with anything that you like. So if you have different nuts, such as pistachio nuts, or one of my favorites are something called Marcona almonds. They're almonds from Spain, and they're super buttery and really savory, and they're very easy to eat. <laughs> or if you have regular almonds, you can toast those up for a few minutes and maybe add some olive oil or some garlic powder or some onion powder or something spicy like cayenne to give it a little kick. And you can add some dried fruit, or if you have any fresh fruit, such as little clementines or tangerines. Grapes are always fantastic on a cheese board because they look beautiful, and they're also very sweet, so it kind of helps that saltiness from the cheese. Another favorite accoutrement that I like to add to a cheese board are olives. There are so many different kinds of olives now, and we have access to so many from so many different areas. There's a lot that are really mild and some that are more briny. So some of my favorite olives, there's one called Castelveltrano, <laughs> which is a long word. And they are these kind of light to medium in color green olives, and they're very mild and they're very buttery. And they're not briny at all. If you think of the common Kalamata olives that you would have on a Greek salad, those are really briny, really salty. And personally, I can only do a few at a time where it gets uh, a little salty overwhelm <laughs> for my palate. But if you want a more mild olive, try Castel Valtrano. You can find them at most grocery stores, either in the olive bar section or in jars in like the pickle section, I'm assuming. Another style of olives that I really enjoy are called dry cured olives. So they're usually these really small, almost shriveled black olives that are dry cured in salt. And they're very salty, but the olive themselves are really floral, so it really works. And they're really small, so it doesn't get overwhelming with the salt. But those are really fun olives too. And I also see those pretty often at most grocery stores, again, in the olive bar section or on the shelves like by the pickles and the other olives olives. Some other ideas are little pickles. Now that we're talking about pickles, and there's these really small pickles called cornichons. And those are like those really tiny pickles. You've probably seen them, you know, at bars, they'll add them to a cocktail and they're kind of sweet and pickly at the same time. And those are fantastic with uh, any cheese and a cheese board. I really like those with that Alpine style that we were talking about, that Gruyere Swiss style. I really like those. That combo just really works. And of course, if we are talking about our charcuterie board, we have to add meat as per the name calls for. And usually it's sliced meat and usually it's a pork product. There are some beef products if you don't eat pork, but usually it is pork. I would say the most common would be prosciutto, which is a cured uh, pork from Italy that's very thin, has a, a line of fat uh, that goes through it. And it's very delicate, very funky and salty. I love crisping it up in the oven for a few minutes until it's nice and crisp and almost like a uh, pork chip. <laughs> and there's also something called speck, which I actually prefer. Same style as prosciutto, where it's this cured, very thin Italian pork slice. 
but speck is smoked. So if you like that flavor of smoke, you might want to try speck. And also there are some salamis that are really popular and I think would be absolutely delicious on a cheese board. Soprasada, which is a salami style of cured meat that's made in Italy. And if you have some deli meat hanging around in your fridge, I would certainly use that. So if you have some roasted turkey or roasted ham or baked ham, anything like that, I would just fold it up and make it look really pretty and put that on your cheese board. And I promise everyone will absolutely love it. Now, in addition to the cheese, in addition to the olives and the fruit and the meat, there's some other fun things that you can add. So these are some jams that you can add to your cheeses. So I always like to pair a uh, fig jam with a brie cheese. There's also something called honeycomb, which is honeycomb, you know, from bees. And that is really delicious because it gives it some texture contrasts and also a little bit of honey. But if you can't find honeycomb, if you have honey instead, drizzle some honey on that blue cheese, for instance, and that sweetness with that salty blue cheese is such a fantastic combo. Also, if you have any pepper jellies at home, that would be awesome as well on your cheese board. And what I like to do is I like to spoon a few tablespoons in some small bowls and then just arrange that around the cheese board with its own little spoon. That way people can help themselves. But really, just have fun with it. Use what you have on hand. Don't go out of your way to find something really special. Cheese boards are meant to provide variety and fun and color and different textures. So if you have different styles of, you know, dried fruits or different fruits at home or different nuts or olives, whatever you have at home, open that can of olives and put that on your cheese board because I promise everyone will absolutely love it. I hope this episode gave you some inspiration to try something new this holiday season because everyone loves a cheese board. They're super trendy, a lot of fun. And I will provide a few of my tips in the show notes if you need to take that with you when you build your cheese board. But really just think about that variety. Think about variety in texture and color and flavor and just have fun with it. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode. I had so much fun talking about cheese boards because I can talk about this all day long. But of course, I would love to hear what you are making in your kitchens. So if you want to share that with me, you can find me all over social media. I'm on Instagram at Ferraro Kitchen. I'm on Facebook at The Little Ferraro Kitchen. If you are looking for any holiday recipes, head to my website at littleferrarokitchen.com. And I would love to hear what you are cooking up this holiday season. Thank you for joining me and I will see you in the kitchen next time.